Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's all stand this morning. So good to see you. You look like the frozen chosen this morning. It's cold outside, but how many of you know it's warm in here? You know, I just sense in the spirit that uh, we're all being worked on and God is uh, trying to build us and shape us. And I don't care if you're here for the first time or maybe you're here for the second time or the hundredth time and you're struggling, maybe with alcoholism, drugs, maybe a bad marriage or whatever. How many of you know there's healing in the house? And God can take care of us and take care of you and, and you're among good friends. As my friend Brian says, we're all a mess just trying to get better. Amen. Look at your neighbor. They're a mess, but they're trying to get better. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you love us. You care for us. Speak to our hearts. Lord, our mind is open, our hearts receptive. We give you praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. The year is 1984, and the Chicago Bulls have the third pick in the NBA draft. They draft a player from North Carolina. He walks onto the court, and immediately he's a game changer. Not the first game, second game, third game. I'm talking about the very first moment he walks onto the court. He is a game changer. He, he won six NBA titles. Six times he was the most valuable player. He is worth $1.9 billion. His name is Michael Jordan. Fast forward a few years. The 199th pick in the NFL draft. 199th pick in the NFL draft. They select a quarterback from Michigan, and this quarterback won six Super Bowls, six times the most valuable player. His name is Tom Brady for the New England Patriots. Whether you love him or loathe him, he's the greatest quarterback of all time in the NFL. He has never had a losing season in his life. Never, ever. He is a game changer from the time he stepped out onto the field. How many of you believe God has some game changers? And you and I can be that, and we can allow him to change us to be the change. We've been on a series called Be the Change, and I believe every one of us can be that. It was Tolstoy that said everyone wants to change the world, but no one wants to change themselves. That's very true. Someone said the most dangerous people are the ones who want to change everything and the ones who want to change nothing. Change is a part of life. We know about change. And today we're going to talk about the qualities of change and the qualities of a game changer and being the change. We're going to look at the life of David. How many of you know David was a changed person? And David had some changes in his life. If you have your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 17, a very familiar story. But hopefully we can glean some new things. How many of you believe the Bible always has new things to share with you? A new vision, a new revelation. Verse 12, now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And who had eight sons, and the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were 
Eliab, the firstborn, next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. And the three oldest followed Saul, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Can we learn some things from David's life? I think so. Are there some characteristics that we can say David showed us that could help us? We can be the change when we are, number one, responsible, submissive, and industrious. Responsible, submissive, and industrious. There's some important details about David's life here. You know where we find him first mentioned in the Bible over in chapter 16? What is he doing when he's first mentioned? He's keeping his father's sheep. Samuel's come to anoint a king. All the brothers are there for the king audition. David is not there. They didn't call him. How many of you know what it would be like to be the youngest of eight brothers? How many of you think you wore some hand-me-downs? How many of you ever wore hand-me-downs? I mean, I wear hand-me-downs still today from my kids. <laughs> it's really true. They said, Dad, would you like this? Sure, I'll take it. Uh, not very often do they get in my clothes, but when they were in high school, they would come and say, Dad, can I get in your closet and get, get your clothes? And I said, well, sure, what is, was it for? They said, we're having nerd day at school. <laughs> How many of you know that's just not right? But they did. And, and, and so David, having, you know, seven brothers, he's the eighth. Can, can you think somebody flipped his head every once in a while or, you know, uh, wrestled him around or, you know, did some very tough things to him? Listen, how many of you know what it's like to have a brother? How many know what it's like to have a sister? It's just about the same, isn't it? And if you're the youngest, it's like you're getting to the tail end of everything. So th this is the life of David. But I'll tell you what, this guy's responsible. He's submissive. He's industrious. We find him keeping the sheep. The next scene in his life, chapter 17, his father Jesse sends him with some food, provision for his brothers who are on the, the front out in the war. And David goes. And he leaves his sheep in charge with someone else. So there he is. And I don't think he's just out there just killing time. How many of you think he's preparing for the opportunities of his life? I mean, David's just not kicking cans down the road. I think he's got a slingshot knocking cans off of the barn or something. This guy is looking for opportunities. He's responsible. He's submissive. He's industrious. The second thing I want you to see here is that game changers are passionate about causes and purposes. They're passionate about the cause, about the purpose. Look at verse 26. When David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You know the story. For 40 days, Goliath would come out and he would say, send me a man. He's the champion of the Philistines. You know, the Bible says he's at least nine and a half feet tall. Let me tell you, that's a mountain of a man. Nine and a half feet tall. How much would you like to have him in the NBA? He didn't have to jump to dunk. He just dunks. I mean, he, he's six inches from the, the goal itself. This guy's massive. He has a coat of armor. 
metal over his body, a guy carrying a shield. His spear is like a weaver's beam with a 25-pound spearhead on it. He has a javelin. He has one honking sword on his side. He's arrogant. He's cocky for 40 days every day, morning and evening. He says, send somebody. Send me your champion. Who's the biggest guy in Israel's army? Saul, our champion, doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to face Goliath. No one in the army wants to face Goliath. And here he is, this cocky enemy, defying God, defying the people of God. Says, if, if you send me someone, whoever wins, if, if I win, you'll serve us, you'll serve our gods. If you win, we'll serve you. But nobody wants to go. But look at this. Here David is. He is passionate about this challenge. He's passionate about the cause. Do you realize when his brother gets on to him for being there and cheering for the battle, David's response to him was, is there not a cause? How many of you believe that we as the children of God ought to have some causes? How many of you think in our community we should have some causes? Some causes for morality and holiness, changing the lives of young people, the unborn, marriages, husbands, wives. Folks, there's a lot of causes, and we need to be engaged in that, and not just engaged. We need to be passionate about the causes. There are some things worth standing for. There's some things worth fighting for. There's some things worth living for, and there's some things worth dying for. Can I hear an amen? We need to be people of cause. We need to be people of purpose. We don't just come in here and hear a few points in a poem, sing a few songs, and just leave and live the way we've always lived. Listen, this is for purpose. This is for cause. And David was a cause-oriented, a purpose-oriented person. He is a game changer. The third thing here is that we need to play to our strengths. The person who's a game changer plays to their strength. Say that with me. Plays to their strength. Um, I, I can do a few things. I'm not very good at a lot of things. When Matt was in law school, we bought a little grandma's house. And Carrie and I and Matt, we, we tried to flip it to be a little bit more modern and updated, put new, um, you know, texture on the walls and redid the bathroom, new fixtures, new stove, new microwave, new refrigerator. And then there was the plumbing. I'm a horrible plumber. That's why you call Newtons. So Matt and I, we decided we're going to tackle the plumbing one day, Carrie opened the cabinet doors under the sink and looked under there, and she said, goodness gracious, this kind of looks like a racetrack underneath here. It, it wasn't just one you know, pipe coming down together in a little loop and going in there. I mean, it looked like Sim City. I mean, there, there's pipes going everywhere, and then she said, this is, looks weird. And I said, honey, you just do what you got to do. You got to connect this to this and this to this and this to this and get it down there. It was horrible looking. It worked, but I'm not a very good plumber. Maybe, maybe you're good at something. Maybe you're not. How many of you know we're not all good at everything? You need to focus on your strengths, help your weaknesses, but you really ought to focus on your strengths. Can I hear an amen? You know, Saul tried to dress David up in his armor. 
What wasn't his strength? Now, I already said Saul's the biggest guy in Israel. The Bible says he's a head and shoulders taller than everybody else. And David, according to the Bible, is a strapling. He's young. He's not very big. So picture in your mind, Saul takes his massive armor, puts it on David, and David is clunking around. I mean, he looks like the miniature tin man of the Wizard of Oz. And uh, he said, I, I, I can't go on this. I haven't proved it. This is not me. This is not my strength. Listen, David was a bush fighter. He, he was a guy who would come and fight at a different strength. You see, if you spend your time trying to be good at everything, you'll be great at nothing. So you can't spend your time being good at everything. Try to be great at something. So here David is trying to go out and David's not your knight in shining armor. Can I hear an amen? David is the guy in the rough. He fights a different way. He already knew what he could do in the way that he did it. He fought the lion and the bear. Now, if you read this, this is interesting. He said, I seize the beard of the lion. Now, let me tell you, that's close hand-to-hand -hand combat with the lion. I would rather have a scope and a 223 at about 100 yards. David said, just let him charge me. I'll take him and I'll take him out. And then he says, the paw of the bear. I don't want to see the paw of the bear. I want to see the bear way off. It's like the two guys, they're running. The bear's chasing him. He said, you'll never outrun the bear. He said, I'll just have to outrun you is all I have to do. See, this is close. This is combat. This is the way David fought. Listen, people will try you to get you to be something you're not. Focus on who you are. You were born an original. Don't die a copy. You, you got to be you. And so focus on what you are strong in. Yeah, help the weaknesses, but God has put a special gift in your life. And focus on that. Here's the fourth thing. David verbalized his objectives and his goals. People who are game changers, people who can change things and be the change, they vocalize their objectives and their goals. Look with me at verse 45. And David said to the Philistine, say that with me. David said to the Philistine. So we have a dialogue going here. Listen, the enemy's speaking to you right now. We heard a song just about it. The enemy's speaking to you through the storm. The enemy's speaking to you through the challenge. The enemy's speaking to you through the difficulty. The enemy's speaking to you through your temptation. So what do we do? We speak back to the enemy. We vocalize our objectives. We vocalize our goals. You come to me with a sword and a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. He doesn't even have a Swiss army knife, but he says, I'm going to cut your head off. And this day I'll give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David is speaking in confidence. He's speaking in faith. Notice what he says there. This is very interesting to me. Verse 45, I am coming in the name of the Lord. Listen, Paul I know, Jesus I know, who are you? 
How many of you know we better come in the name of the Lord? Because in the name of the Lord, there's strength, there's power. I come to you in the name of the Lord. Look at verse 46. And the Lord will deliver you into my hands. That's a statement of faith. And this is what I will do. Here here he's delineating what he's going to do. I will strike you down. I will cut off your head. Now notice this line. I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts. Now, prior to this, David is approaching Goliath. He has no armor on. He has no shield. He's in his civilian clothes. He just came from keeping the sheep. He has a pouch with five smooth stones. He has a sling, and he has his shepherd's staff. When he comes toward Goliath, Goliath is incensed. He's disdaining. He is vilified that Israel would send a young teenage strapling boy out with a stick in his hand. And this is what he said, are you coming at me with a stick? That's probably what Pharaoh said a few hundred years ago. Some of you get that on the way home. Are you coming at me with a stick? No, he's coming in the name of the Lord. But he has weapons he's used to using. Now, when Goliath sees him coming, he says, David, let me verbalize what I'm going to do to you. He says, I'm going to cut your head off, and I'm going to have the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field eat your carcass. How many of you know, in David's statement, he one-upped it? Catch it. He didn't say, Goliath, I'm going to cut your head off and just feed your carcass to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the field. He said, I'm going to feed the entire Philistine army's carcass to the beasts of the field. Do you see it? It's in there. David is saying, Goliath, I'm not just coming after you. I'm coming after everybody who's standing behind you. Go get them, Dave. Dave said, I'm going to come after the entire army. He's vocalizing. He's sharing his goals, his objectives. What we verbalize matters. What we say matters. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Speak to your giant. Speak to your mountain. Isn't that what Jesus said? Speak to it. You got any giants? Giant of marriage, difficulties, dysfunction, the giant of finances, the giant of the job, the mountain of an addiction, the mountain of where do I go from here, the mountain, can I get better, the mountain, can I overcome this? What do you do to it? Speak to it. In the name of the Lord, I vocalize what I am going to do through the strength of Almighty God. Do you know the Bible refers to your tongue 114 times? A hundred and fourteen times he talks about this thing right here. Why does the Bible refer to your tongue over and over and over and over again? Well, James 3 gives us an indication. I want to take just one part of that, and it's going to be worth the price of admission. He says the tongue is like the rudder of the ship. Now, the rudder of a ship is that wooden piece or that big metal piece that just moves in the back, but it directs the entire ship. Please listen, the rudder doesn't power the ship. The rudder only directs the ship. There's a source of power for the ship, but the rudder directs the trajectory of the ship. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, but you shall receive 
power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. You see, the rudder's not the power. How many of you know in your life the Holy Spirit's the power? The Holy Spirit is your power. So the ship is powered, but the rudder directs the ship. Your tongue directs the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's why it's important for game changers, those who are going to be the change, to vocalize the goals and objectives. We need to say them. We need to declare them. Can I hear an amen? amen. We need to speak. You see, the rudder doesn't power the ship, but it does determine the direction. Here's the fifth thing. When we become the change, when we're the game changer, we inspire the people around us. Look at verse 48. So it was when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. So that the stone sank into his forehead, he fell on his face to the earth, Fraser's down. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of his sheath, and killed him and cut off his head with it. Hello! Jesus did the same thing to Satan. Used his own weapon to defeat him, death. Now the men of Israel... And the Philistines, when they saw what happened, the Philistines saw their champion was dead. They fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. These are the guys who a few minutes ago were cowered down in fear. For 40 days, listen to me, saints. For 40 days, this is the group. This is the men. This is the army who feared the giant every day. But now... When David kills Goliath, did you see how brave they got? Yeah. When, when the giant's down and his head is severed from his body, they shouted and they ran. What happened here? David became the catalyst for the victory. Because of what David did on the battlefield, it was a game changer. When David did his heroic exploit, everyone else got inspired and they were inspired to fight and pursue the Philistines when for 40 days no one wanted any of that action. Do you know you can inspire somebody else? Listen to me. Inspired people inspire people. Inspired people inspire people. Can I give you some characteristics of people who are inspiring Listen to me. People who are inspiring are enthusiastic. They're passionate. They're positive. They see possibilities in people. They build people up. They see opportunities for the future. They're visionary. They lead others to become more successful. See, we should be inspiring people. You need to be, a, you need to be in a church. You need to belong to a church that's inspiring you. Not just motivating you, but inspiring you. I love the story about this young man, this boy who's in school. Has any teacher here ever had a problem student? 
Okay. Have you ever had a problem student in your class? If you don't know who they are, it's you. So, these teachers, you know teachers talk. Students go from grade to grade. And there's this boy, he, he's a mess. He acts out. He, he's, he's not very good at some of the subjects. He, he's rebellious. Doesn't have a great home life. And so the teachers from year to year, they, they move him up and they tell the next teacher, hey, you're going to have trouble with him. You got to watch him. Finally, about the, the third or fourth grade, the teachers have already told the next teacher, better watch him. But you know what? He did amazingly well. He, he was obedient. He did good in school. And finally, the teacher said, son, um, you know, I know you've had some trouble in the years before, but this year in this class, you're doing really good. What's the deal? This is what he said. He said, I like it so much better since I've been with you. What happened? That teacher inspired him. That teacher became a game changer for him. I like myself better since I've been in your class. You see, you are a game changer for somebody else. You can inspire somebody else. It could be a family member, somebody you work with. It could be somebody here today that's sitting next to you. Maybe you invited someone here today, and now your life is inspiring their life, and their life is changing because we can inspire if we are game changers. Can I hear an amen? You know, this, uh, this area of change is is very important because I want you to look at something. This is chapter 16, so let's go back a chapter. It's when David is introduced in Scripture. In verse 13, when David is anointed, then Samuel took the horn of old and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The anointing of David, and the presence of God comes down, and David's life is never the same. David now is a game changer. Listen, his family's changed. David changes the outcome of this battle. He changes his future. He's changing the nation. Do you realize if you change, if you become the change, things change around you? His family changed. This battle changed. His future changes. The nation changes. Why? Because one person stood out on the battlefield to become the change. One person can change something. Oh, oh, I realize there's a team around, but how many of you know when Michael Jordan went on the court, the team changed because he was there? How many of you know, I know there was other players, 10 others on the field with Tom Brady, but when he got on the field, things changed around him. Things can change around you. Your family can change. Your marriage can change. Your kids can change. Your company can change. Your house can change. Your community can change. Why? Because God changed you. The anointing of God upon his life, the presence of God in his life changed him from that day forward. God is in the change business, my friends. God is in the change business. A year and a half ago, our staff was at a conference in Texas. One day at lunch, we had the pleasure of having lunch with a young man from Texas in ministry. Matt Chambers knew him. I, I didn't know him, but Matt introduced him to me, and we had lunch together that day. And a few days ago, Matt got a, a, a message from the family, and the message was about this young man's father named Fernando. 
Fernando is also in ministry. But two years ago, and here's the story, two years ago at Christmas, they had ordered their Christmas online. And so when UPS delivered the packages to their house, have you ever heard of porch pirates? One day when all those packages are delivered to their house, a porch pirate or pirates had stolen all of their Christmas packages. Bummer, right? And now they're trying to get enough money to replace some of the, the presents so they can have Christmas, which they do. And two years later, from that Christmas, Fernando has a knock on his door, and there's a young man standing there. And he says, uh, you know, who's the man of the house? And, and Fernando said, well, that would be me. And he said, sir, my name is Simeon, and two years ago, I stole all of your packages from your front porch. You see, I was a drug addict, into bad stuff, not a good person, into thievery. And I was visiting some neighbors of yours that I knew, and when I saw them deliver the packages, I needed a fix. So I went across the street, and I stole all of your packages. A little bit later, I went to jail for another charge. Two years, I've been in prison. And while I was in prison, I met Jesus Christ. Someone shared the message of the gospel with me. And I began to read the Bible, and my life changed. I mean, you know, Jesus will change your life. And now he's at Fernando's front door, and he said, Sir, I'd like to repay the money for all of those Christmas packages that I stole from you. And Fernando noticed this young man. He's repentant. He's humble. He said, Oh, no, son, you don't have to do that. We're, we're good. He said, Oh, no, sir. He said, I need to repay you for all those packages. And he began to get his billfold out to repay Fernando. And he said, by the way, I want to make restitution for that. You see, in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, this is what restitution is for the crime he committed. He said, under the Old Testament, and we don't live under that covenant, but I'm just saying this is how he felt he needed to come clean. He said, I'm sorry for that. I want to pay for all of those packages, and I want to make restitution. Restitution is paying double for what you stole. And that young man looked at Fernando, and he said, I want to pay double for everything I took from you. And this is what Fernando said. Well, son, you don't have to do that, but I'll receive that. And he said, my daughter Gabby is going on a mission trip and I'll take that money and I'll give it to her to go on her mission trip. She's going here, here, and she's going to go to Nepal. And the young man, Simeon, said, I don't know where Nepal is, but bless her as she goes. <laughs> Let me tell you something. God changes people. And if you're here today and you need to change, let me tell you, I know the one who can change you. And I know the one who can change me. You see, we're in a constant flux of change. God's working on us. There, there's tools he uses, you know, good things and bad things and, and people and scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit to change us from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Can I hear an amen? amen. God changes us. And you may be here today and say, well, oh, pastor, I just don't know if God could change me. Listen, you need his strength to change. You need his power to change. You need his word to change. Let me give you a little different bend on this story. 
David literally changed not only his life, but the nation. And let's, let's kind of look back a few years. There's a man by the name of Gideon. Gideon is a guy who is really fearful. Gideon is a guy who is really in a state of low self-esteem, possibly even despondent. We know what he's doing. He's trying to eke out a living. God begins to speak to him and says, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon looks around and says, you can't be talking about me. I'm a nobody. My family's a nobody family. We're kind of from a small tribe. You see, we're insignificant here and here and here. But how many of you know God doesn't look at your limitations? He doesn't look at your insignificance. He looks at your possibilities. And he speaks to Gideon and says, you're a mighty man of valor. And God used a very fearful, insecure man to do great things. And how did he do it? He changed him. He began to see the possibilities and not the problems and not the insecurities. If you're here today and say, Pastor, but you don't know I've been this way all my life. I'm here to tell you God is a changer. And he can change your life. And he can change my life. And that's our hope. Larry over here to my left, Larry Lance, we had a planning meeting Wednesday night and I came down the hallway and getting ready to go to my office and leave for the night and Linda and Larry's there and most of you know a few weeks ago, Larry had a massive stroke, I mean a stroke that was life-threatening. When Larry had the stroke, they rushed him to Oklahoma City, he lost control of his body and he could not speak, could not communicate. But what Larry told me Wednesday night was so powerful. He said, Pastor, let me tell you this story. He said, when I had that stroke, I couldn't communicate with anyone. I could not speak. But he said, something welling up within me, the Holy Spirit began to speak in a language that I could not speak inside of my mind and my heart and my soul, even though I could not verbally say it. Isn't that amazing? That the spirit of the living God, when you cannot verbalize anything out of your mouth, the Holy Spirit begins to speak in your heart in a language that only God and your spirit can communicate one to one. And he said, I couldn't tell anybody the experience I had until I was able to speak again. God is a changer. He has the power for you. He has the power for me. I don't know if you know who Richard Branson is. He's the CEO of Virgin Airlines, Virgin Music. He is a billionaire with a B. He said the most talented, thought-provoking, game-changing people are never normal. (laughs) Listen, when Jesus came into your life, you're no longer normal. You're a child of God now. Look at your neighbor. Look at my eye and say, you know what? You're not normal. No, that's a good thing. You are not normal. You're not of this world. You're a child of God. You're a king's kid. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are called by the name of Jesus. You are not your average Joe. You are a game changer and you can be a changer in every aspect of your life. Marriage needs to change, possible. Addiction, possible. Low self-esteem, possible. Depression, possible. Family, possible. Marriage, yes. Be the change. Inspire someone around you. Like a David, like a Gideon. 
Go in the name of the Lord. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.